Hello, my name is Sue Bose. Welcome to the Net Hero podcast. Now, if you read Future Net Zero, which I hope you do, you'll know our mantra is better business, better planet. And I want to refocus on that. Better business is what we need. At the time that COP is taking place in Egypt, we're looking at what we can do amidst warnings that we're going to miss the 1.5 degree target. Now, let's be clear about one thing. If you miss 1.5, the planet doesn't end and we don't all die. But things are certainly due to get worse. And one of the biggest areas that we've got to address globally to do this, to tackle emissions, is where we live. And I know we've covered this on a couple of podcasts, but I keep coming back to it because I think it's absolutely vital. You think about it, on the planet, at present, around about 25% of global emissions come from cities, places we live built environment and the estimates are about 10-11% come from residential properties. So where we live, whether we live in a flat, a house, a bungalow, whether we live in a shack, in a shanty town in Rio, these are are the places where we have got to look at changing if we're going to get towards reducing our emissions and hit hit net zero. So today I'm going to have a chat with Chris Phipps who is from a company called Firstport. And they basically manage, in fact, I think they're the biggest residential property management agents. Chris, hello. Hello. Uh, is that right? You're, you're the biggest in the country? Is that right? We, we are, yes. Um, um, at last count, um, we've got nearly 5,000 developments, which um, consist of just under 318,000 separate homes. And these are, so these would be people who don't know what management companies do. If you live in a block, which I've lived in for, you know, you, you'd have your lift and you'd have all the gardens or whatever, maintenance, if you have problems. It, that's the sort of things that you, you do as a company. Is that right? Essentially, yeah. As well as items such as concierge services at some developments. But yes, we we, we look after the fabric of the communal areas. Do you build things yourselves? We, we don't. Um, in fact, it's quite an interesting business model. We don't own anything. No, I thought not. <laughs> we work for the landlords, but we're paid for by the residents. So this is the real issue here. You look at our housing stock, and let's let's talk UK. I mean, I've set a bit of a global picture because we have a global audience. But, you know, we know we're, we, we should talk about where we are. I live in a 1930s house. I just moved. Before that, I lived in a Victorian house. In other parts of Europe, people would just laugh at that. Uh, and the way that if you had an infrared camera even though I've put in as much as I can in terms of insulation, change my windows, all that. The heat leaches out of this building. Heat leaches out of all of our buildings. We've got a real bad image across Europe, and I don't think it's unjustified. But why are our buildings, frankly, so crap, Chris, when it comes to insulation and being good with energy? Well, I think think you you, you touched on it there, Simit, and the fact that so much of it is historic and legacy. A lot of the buildings that we still use now were built in the last 100 years, or more than 50 years ago. I mean, my my house, or where I live, was built just after the war. Um, And even then, it it required quite a lot of investment on our part to to get it up to a standard whereby Mm. it it is properly insulated and it is energy efficient. So it's not something that we've we've done overnight, that's for sure, and it's not something that we're going to be able to sell overnight either. It's funny because you look at Europe and, you know, maybe, you know, but there are, you know, there are historical buildings in places like uh, Holland, Amsterdam, whatever, Sweden, you know, housing stock. You look at 
seems to be that we, we, we were, I don't know if that's just an image or, or if that's true, whether we are just a bit more, maybe it's our, our weather or maybe we just didn't give a damn when we built these things to make them efficient. Yes, I think I think um, that's a very large question, isn't it? And based around based around the mentality, you could always almost take it back to the colonial times and, yes. uh, and, and how we, we as a nation saw ourselves in the world as being mm. the leaders of, of, well, of everything at one point. Yeah, we, we have we got worse housing stock than our sort of friends on the continent. What would you say? I would say I would say worse is, a, is an interesting term. Um, All right, not less energy efficient. Let me put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I, it, whenever I travel around Europe, um, mm-hmm. one thing one thing you do you do notice is that the buildings do. There's a lot more, not so much uniformity, but a lot more, a lot more. Thought seems to have been put into place with regards yeah. to design, etc. Although, although I mean, I was in I was in France a couple of weeks ago, and I spent much of my family amusement time pointing out the lack of solar installations <laughs> on many of the, yeah, the residential properties there. So, so I think in some places we may be behind, but but there's a lot more solar going up in the UK than there is there is on, on mainland France for starters. Yeah, where are we with that the buildings? As you said, that that quandary that you have is that you don't own anything, right? So. Yeah. When you take over the maintenance of a building, what can you do as that maintenance company? Because you can't change the bricks and stick in insulation, I assume. Uh, I assume you're looking at things like the lighting, building management. So talk us through the things that you do to try and make the places that you manage more energy efficient. Well, there's a number of things that we're looking at, um, and all of them have unique hurdles. Not unique hurdles, but they have particular hurdles around how we move forward to them, other than the fact that we don't actually own them, as you say, purely, mostly because of the cost of living crisis. I'm getting a lot of inquiries from our developments around installing solar onto onto our, our larger developments, and in fact, some of our smaller retirement developments as well. Now, there's a number of legal hurdles to get through around that, because obviously individual leaseholders within the flats are one thing, and we look after the the the, the frameworks and the communal areas. So, firstly, who who owns the the rooftops? Who's who's responsible for maintaining those? That that falls to the landlord. So we need permission from the landlords, and then then we start to think about who's paying for this. And when you've got a lot of people involved in a in a one situation in one decision, then you have a lot of potential for things to delay and for a lot of people to disagree, as you can probably imagine. People like to um, to have opinions on things, and, and when everyone's not joined up, that can delay processes. So currently, we're, we're we're feeling our way around the solar install piece with a number of different partners to see whether or not there are options for just supplying financed options, so we can put in place solar arrays on flat buildings with lease with landlords permissions and then just feed that power into some of the communal areas so the lighting and the heating and the lifts etc or there's another option whereby we're, we're we can look at divvying up the power that comes fairly from these uh, solar arrays into individual flats so individual residents can use them in their day-to-day activities as well and also there's the the other option whereby the large scale capital install just paying for the whole process up front and then divvying out the finances amongst all the different residents at the same time. Now, lots of different developments from high-end city centre blocks of flats to yeah. to some of the uniform resident, uh, retirement developments that we have. Different residents at different ages are going to see different long-term investments differently. So some, we had to get over a number of issues around around that as well and how people can can have the, the foresight 
to want to to spend money over a period of time for, for a saving that they may not see themselves. So that's that's a difficulty. We're currently going through phase three of ESOS, so we're looking at a lot of our of our office areas and our activities there. Yeah. EV charge points is another thing that we get asked a lot about, and again, it's very similar to the solar installs on the flats that we have, and and there's a legal maze around some of the protections that a lot of leases in the UK have, so that people like us can't run off and spend all their money without actually having any accountability. So, and and this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, what you've just outlined there. Is I suppose the quandary we have, <clears throat> and you know we've just moved offices, which I've told people before, and frankly because the landlord at the last place didn't frank didn't give a damn, right? He didn't give a damn that the windows were from the fifties and leaking. Yeah, I fought for two years to get some LED strip lights, right? You could have residents saying we want this. You could have people saying there's a demand for this. But you're, you know, companies like you and anyone actually, this is the real issue about the landlord, the, the freeholder, maintenance, whatever. It's about the person who owns the building, If, in fact, in our country. For, and maybe I'll, you can clarify me, but I think you'd need their permission to do things like this, wouldn't you, to actually say, I'm going to stick solar, I'm going to stick in charge points. And if they don't want to, if they don't see it as a business case that they want to, nothing they can do. Correct, yeah. But uh, to, be, to be fair, a lot of our, our clients and larger developers are coming to us with things as well. So the message is getting out there. People do want to to see things such as EV charge points installed because that will attract buyers and investors into yeah. into their development. So so it's, 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 it's what goes around comes around really. You look at your your job is to have a look at the sort of footprint for for first book, correct? That's that's right. Yes, I'm I'm the sustainability manager. The, the company's first one, and as far as I'm aware, still the only one in the industry. I mean, that is it's quite shocking, isn't it, really? <laughs> well, it's, here we, it's, here uh, we are, you know, uh, as some some critics, even the worst pessimists would say, kind of 20 years away from Armageddon climate, climatically, and you're pretty much a unique individual in this space. <laughs> yes, and um, I, I prefer to look at it on the positive side. Go on, then, go on, give me the spin, Chris. I, 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 well, yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 a, I'm, in, I'm indicative of uh, the direction in which the industry is travelling. Oh, that's, I like that's that. That's that good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I mean, it, 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 this is a big thing now. That what, I, I was having a chat about um, Bellway Homes, and it was about kind of they they build things, right? So. Yeah. But now what used to be I'm going to build a house isn't I'm going to build a house. There's now conversations about the power in there and the wastewater and all of that. And this is where we're getting to, aren't we? Where mm. basically it's much more integrated. So the, it wasn't like when this house that I'm living in was built where someone put up the bricks, someone put in the electricity, someone put the water and said goodbye to each other. Yes, very much so. I listened to that that podcast with great interest because it, because of the lead times between planning and actual building yeah. completion means that I'm, I'm again I'm driving around seeing buildings going up now with no solar panels on the roofs, mm. which um which is frustrating certainly. Is is this what we've got to get to if you're going to do this net zero transition? We have to have I don't know not a task but some way of integrating everything together. Yeah, I, I believe I believe government has a large part to pay in this. Yeah. And, and and to that end, I, mean, I the Institute of Residential Property Management have have invited me to to join them for in a in a sustainability group whereby we can take some of the, the industry's issues to government and and lobby to to get some of these barriers removed so that we can actually move forward and and retrofit maybe and 
and to, to to get make to make sure everything that for example like like last week's podcast all of these net zero housing mm. um, developments become standard rather than you know, nice to have what's the situation in terms of kind of the tools available now would you say there is enough technology to make a big difference now or are you still waiting for things to be invented what can you go in and go because everyone says oh yeah we've done everything like led lights and all that but i wonder if people have no I, I don't believe they have i mean i did a, i did a brief and sort of finger in the air type survey last year for all of our developments and i, I received around about 500 responses from as, as you say as i said to you earlier how many developments we've got it's a, it's a significant proportion of responses and, and we, we came back with about 53 percent who actually confirmed they've had led upgrades so there's plenty more to go out there wow and that that does form part of, a, of all of the many projects that i'm trying to run at the moment to, to identify where we need to upgrade LEDs and to, to get a joined up approach to do that and um, with the size of the problem being the size of the amount of developments we have but this is one thing I mean on the technology thing front we, we're also rolling out a project with one of our landlords at the moment trying to identify water leaks and catch water leaks and water uh, before they actually cause cause damage and, uh, and create a great deal of, of associated carbon emissions that from from water for example not only that we've got a lot of legacy stock whereby we've got small flats in our retirement areas where they've been fitted with very very large water heaters that one person's never going to require so yeah as, as a piece of work around identifying whether installing real-time instantaneous water heaters would be better and would reduce um, energy and early indications of that is the case so Again, a bit of technology that will, we can potentially look to roll out across everything that we do. Similarly to that, we've got, I mean, discussion with companies that will provide very small Bluetooth style metering and sensors so that we can see where, whether or not we're heating and lighting areas of our communal areas when we don't need to, all the way down to whether or not we need to flush a seldom used water outlet that we would be doing for as part of a Legionella control process. So again... It's all the small things all adding up. And I believe at the moment, there's so much of the technical innovation out there that we aren't using that, uh, that moving forward to, to a more internet of things joined up yeah. is, is, is where we're heading. And that, that's the, uh, the dream, really. Do you think there's a point here, Chris, which is that what you've just said there, maybe we can't, you know, you can't go around to a landlord and go, by the way, mate, all the bricks in your place, they just leak air. You need to redo the thing. Like that, that's huge. But you could get around with saving things like timings of using energy, yes. improving insulation, improving, people have talked about reflective paints, all weird things that probably won't actually be massive, huge infrastructure projects, but could make enough, you know, combined difference to to to, to actually affect what comes out of that building, what leaks out. Completely. Yeah. And there's there's there are so many small things that, that could save a lot. And we do we do try and educate our, our residents as well as our staff on all of those aspects. I mean, it, it, you know, up until early this year, we were helping to to facilitate some of the Eco3 um, government heater installs for some of our retirement developments, whereby they were replacing very very old night storage yeah. heaters with more modern versions which yeah were, and they were doing that for free i mean we weren't directly involved but um but we were facilitating you know introductions because obviously people coming in saying here you go here come and get your free upgraded heater first thing people are going to think of is just it's a scam so we, we were providing a little bit of little bit of reassurance around that with the promise of eco4 about to roll out to uh to replace that but um but sadly the, the political instability of the last six months has, has paralyzed it so we've lost that time. I mean, this is really quite 
the the, the thing I suppose that you know you, you can level at government and it's you know, it's not easy. We all know how difficult things are now for the government right now. But if you look at it, there have been several false dawns on this. Um, I read a very great, good article about kind of how we got to where we are. And it said, you know, all a chain of mistakes that we've made over the last 15, 20 years. And one of the biggest ones has been not looking at our housing stock. Um, and you said a little earlier, look, we need some more. Go- Do you think it's come to time where actually you've got to have some legislative firepower to say you must do this I do. to do it i do i do i mean there, there are there is evidence of of some things coming through particularly you know things like ev charge points and certain new developments having to have smart meter smart metered um, ev charge points installed for example and then and then there's the the you know the epcc minimum rating for private rented homes from 2030, phasing out of gas boilers. It's, it's all, it's all, it's there. So there's some good things. Yeah. It's, it's not moving. I mean, I, I had my boiler done. I only moved in this house last year and I wanted to get an air source heat pump, right? Hmm. And the price was just beyond my budget. And my yeah. builder said, Why do you want one of those? And yeah. I said, Well, I can't. He said, No, th- th- there's not enough choice in the market. And in the end, I've had a gas boiler. I said, Well, I don't want a gas boiler. He said, Look, there's nothing new on the market. And mm. even the gas boiler hasn't been designed, even though it's one year old, whatever it was, to, to, to possibly burn hydrogen. So there are a lot of problems that we've got when some of these technologies exist, but they're just not getting in the market. Yeah, and there's there's a real lack of installers for air source heat pumps as well. I yeah, absolutely. A, a massive, massive um, working short, worker shortage we've got in the UK at the moment. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I don't have an air source heat pump yet. Because our boiler's six, seven years old. Yeah, you know, I've got, to, I've got to, I've got to get the life out of that. Well, because we've got and, it, and that's know? a fair point, isn't it? We've all got to look at. You know, we we can all say, oh, let's be as net zero as we can, but we've got to live in the real world. Yeah, which is totally. there are decisions that have to be made fiscally. Yeah, completely, and and you have to be realistic at the end of the day, because the, the one thing that's going to put people off is by making wide, sweeping, bold announcements and, and requirements that are, are, frankly, at this present time, a little bit um, fantastical. But um, so, so this is a bit of a funny tightrope the government has to work, isn't it? It They've is. They've got to get us changing, but got to make it affordable for us to do so. And yeah, it would be, it, I, mean, I don't want to, to criticise any more than, than people do, but simple, simple energy saving Energy saving advice and and such as is, is happening in in the uh, in France, for example, and, and some other EU countries, just acknowledging the fact that we're going to have to cut down on energy use, particularly this winter. That that would be a nice way forward to be led that way. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm not saying much of that. <laughs> I think that's that's been the case. Yeah. Um, let's look at the before we end. I want to look at two quick things. One is new, right? New builds. So as you say, you start managing new builds. That, that they hopefully are, are a lot better and, you know, do have solar, do have heating, that things will change, laws will be passed. But the retrofit, which you mentioned earlier, that's really where the bulk of the heavy lifting will be done, won't it? To retrofit yes. our, our housing stock. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and again, that's that's going to have to come from from the top because, because it's, like all these things, it, it costs money. And until, until we get a, a, a direction on that and any kind of help, then um, 
then it's, it's going to completely, it's going to founder as it is now. The government tried the Green Investment Bank. It's tried the insulation schemes. You know, there are, there are energy companies out there trying to give away insulation. It doesn't happen. Mm. And that brings me on to kind of where I sort of want to come, come to a conclusion. Is it us? You know, you can do whatever <laughs> you like. But if people don't change their behaviour, any of this stuff, you know, if I have my lovely insulated house, but I leave all the windows open because I'm burning my heater really high, what's the point? No, you're, you're right. It, it, it's, it's it's the holy grail of behavioural change. Um, and how, how do you manage that with, with the people who live in the blocks you maintain? What are you trying to do? Well, it's very difficult because there's so many variables involved around how any one person behaves in any one sort of way. All you can really do is education, um, awareness, for example, we we're running a number of waste projects across several locations in London at the moment, and, and I'm working directly with local authorities to try and increase education and therefore hopefully segregation and, and waste hierarchical improvements. But it's difficult. I mean, I, I, I can recall just a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were stood in a bin store, the glamorous end of the job. Um, <laughs> just, and, and, and during that period, a couple of a couple of residents came in and, and there was one lady in particular. She she clearly segregated all of her recycling and uh, yeah. and, her, and her, her general waste, and then she promptly proceeded to put them in the wrong bins. <laughs> so, <laughs> so rather rather than despair, which is a, a frequent a frequent yes. emotion that uh, that you do tend to get in this job, um, we we did we looked at around at, at why she's done that and trying to understand what were her thought processes. Well, were her dire- is direction good in, in the bin store? There was very minimal signage. The the bins are beaten up. The, you can't really see which one's meant to be receiving what waste streams. And it's not a very pleasant environment. So people want to get in and they want to get out very quickly. I think you've got about two or three seconds of people concentrating on a, a poster of any sort for bin segregations before they lose interest and just throw things away and leave yeah. because that's, that's the nature of human beings. So, so we've got, this is the thing, isn't it? We've got to, in a way, like, you know, I grew up with people smoking, probably did on the tube. I grew up with people smoking yeah. on planes. You never get that now. Uh, you know, my dad couldn't handle wearing a seatbelt until they changed the law, you know, in the 80s. And then things, this behavioural change, it's a tricky one for, for us as, as it's a push-pull, yes. isn't it? It's, it's, it's glacial. That's what it is. It's glacial. That's good. It's, it's like turning around a super tanker. You have to, so you have you, to. How'd you do it then? Well, I mean, if you take, for example, the smoking ban, and you, you legislate and then you ride out the storm. Um, yeah. I think sometimes the stick... Oh, it's, a, it's a combination of stick and carrot, but I think we got to a part. As, we need as, a bit so, more stick, don't we, Chris? I think. We, we do need a lot more sticks in the yes. Yeah. I think you're right. We do. Yeah. Um, to end with, you know, obviously your your job, as you say, you're, you're sort of one of the first to do it, which is great. And hopefully there'll be more people like you. Yeah. Uh, what would you say is going to be your biggest challenge over the next sort of year or so? The volume of the work involved in assessing our scope three, I would say. Yeah. We've just partnered up with Net Zero International to to commit to Net Zero. We joined the UN Race to Zero program, um, but we have eight thousand suppliers, um, and that number is fluctuating daily, mm. and they vary. So we have we have a number of, of, of large suppliers whose whose carbon footprints, our scope three emissions, are really easy, relatively easy to get hold of. But um, at least half of of our of our um, supply chain identify as handymen. So yeah, of course. So they're not necessarily going to have a lot of data on their on their carbon footprints. So we need to identify 
who they are, where we are with 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 our suppliers, engage our suppliers, and and just carry on carry on the the, the, the gigantic task that is accurate carbon accounting. That's that's the highlight. That's the big one for me. I mean, particularly when you try and you try and combine that with all the other things that um that I've I've, I've brought into play. Yeah. Do, do you think that's because unless you you've got that base number, you because people might say, well, why don't you start sticking in loads more LEDs? That should be your priority or charging points. You, you need to you need to know what you need to know to start with. Mm. You need to know what the base level is, what you are actually emitting. That is the vital thing here. I mean, you're right. I mean. We've got a number of other projects. For example, I've just I've just partnered up with a company who will provide what we're already getting as the half hourly data, reporting data for our electricity usage on our largest developments. We've got over 450. Just diverting that into a, a very easily usable um, platform so that all of my development managers can see that in real time and understand what um, energy they're using and whether or not they're using too much. So again, it's down to data. It's down to knowing what we know all of the, the the conversations around putting in sensors we there's no point rolling things out if we don't really know what we're trying to address so data is key last question very briefly by 2050 do you think we'll see significant difference in our housing stock we'll be living in hopefully much more efficient buildings whether they're old or new by 2050 i would like to think so if we if we haven't then we're in a lot of trouble i think i think with all i think history has shown that and a lot of people put a lot of stock into the ingenuity of the human race to get themselves out of trouble. Mm. Um, history has shown we have done that as a species. I wouldn't want yeah. to bet on it by any, by any stretch of the imagination. But I'd like to think, <laughs> hope if it's not the hope that kills you, I'd like to think that that we would get to a place whereby we can we can turn this around for the sake of, of my children, if not for me. For 2050, I'll be I'll no longer be working. Let's say that. <laughs> you hope actually. not, Chris. You <laughs> hope not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, listen, yeah, let's 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 hope that we can do it because you're right. That is the one thing we are smart enough as a species. So let's let's see. Yeah, uh, you know whether we can get that done and at a time when cops in the background, and hopefully that will be too. Uh, Chris Phipps, thanks so much for joining me on the Net Hero podcast today. It's really, been a pleasure, Steve. Pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Buildings is really where we have to concentrate and companies like Firstport, what they're doing, that's what it's about because it's managing where people live and changing the way things are. Uh, before I go, obviously uh, we've had uh, COP taking place, as I said at the beginning of the show, and there are some rumours, the latest rumours are about trying to refocus the target away from 1.5 because we can't seem to get anywhere near it. But there was a comment which I think was very relevant, which was Fatih Birol, who runs uh, the IEA, who basically said, we've got to kill off coal. And I think that's something we can all agree on. We have, whatever you do, even if you try and do coal with carbon capture, I just don't think it's a reasonable way for us to go on. The trouble is, in vast parts of the world, that is the only option that's still affordable right now. And with what's going on with Ukraine, I can't see that changing anytime soon. We've got plenty more for you on the Net Hero podcast coming up. Next week, I'll be talking to Ben Deasy, the creator of the Hugo Energy app, which is doing great guns in trying to change people's behavior, which is one of the hardest things. And we'll have a special couple of uh, episodes coming up before the end of the year, which I'll tell you about uh, very soon. Keep subscribing. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Rob for the production. Catch you next time. Hero Podcast with Summit Bows from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero.
And if you, or your business, is doing great things on the path to net zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.